0: Hello everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reader, and with me as always is my dragon in disguise, Ben Bumhoffer. How you doing, Ben? How do you know that? So, I have been guess. good at hiding this. For so long.
1: <laughs> Anyways, I have true sight.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: no. you know Uh, i don't know did you ever see that meme where it was a a cat on a like a covered parking space for an apartment complex and the the covered spot was like crushed down and and bent and broken and there's this cat just laying on the apex of it and it's all dragon in disguise
0: yep yeah love that meme It's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, Well, if that didn't give anything away, uh, one of our topics tonight is going to be dragons again, because there's a lot of different dragons to go through, and we've only covered a few. Uh, But before we talk about dragons, we're going to talk about uh, something that's a little more serious, Mm. maybe. I mean, dragons can be pretty serious, too, but uh, probably not quite as serious as TPKs. And <laughs> that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be our first topic tonight. So if if you are going Ryan, what what sort of abbreviation did you just throw at me? Uh, so TPK in in games and D and D in general uh, is known as a total party kill. That is when everyone in your party goes, that, and everyone's dead. Yes, T pk not like
1: your twitter handle tbk a very big difference there
0: i know as i was making notes i actually wrote tbk because i was <laughs> i'm so used to like just typing that and you know, it's tpk um and uh so we wanted to talk a little bit about what this can mean for campaigns and as a dm how you deal with them because mm-hmm. uh, TPKs are a big deal everyone's dead so obviously your campaign has ended or has it. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, TPKs do not necessarily spell doom for your campaign or an ending for your campaign. So we wanted to kind of talk through them a little bit and uh, talk about when they are appropriate and when it might be uh, a good idea to take an alternate approach. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot, a lot of how you handle TPKs can be decided based on where you are in the campaign. Um, there's, there's, I, I usually like to split split it up just easily into three sections. You've got your your beginning, you know, your one to seven, one to eight. Your middle section, which is you know, eight nine to fourteen fifteen, and then you have your late section, which is like post level 15, you're getting into your, your super strong stuff. Mm-hmm. Usually uh, it, it's, it's funny because in some ways TPKs are actually most likely to happen in the early campaign. And that is just simply because that is when your characters are the weakest, especially uh, interestingly enough at level one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In fact, um, I think that we might have even mentioned it on our, our last episode talking about uh, the session zero with with plus five to hit the, the, you know, very brand new characters that we're having starting out. We're terrified of dying. It is one of those things where you're level one and you have eight hit points and a, you know, a, a crit on you could be just deadly at that point.
0: Yeah. And so... Um, level one, it's, it level one encounter balance can be very tricky just because like you said, single, single, like good rolls of dice or a, a single good crit can completely take a character out. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, it's really good to have, uh, some, some contingency plans in, in those early levels to try and if possible prevent, that sort of thing because there's nothing i don't don't say there's nothing there's almost nothing worse for a brand new party especially if you have new players in than this character that you've put all this work and all this effort to dying the first or second session Mm -hmm. and or the party or everyone's characters die in the first or second session and it's just well crap guys uh if you're all dead, I guess it's, it's time to roll up new characters. And at that point, especially if people are new, they're just like, screw this game. This is the worst. Why yeah. don't I put all this time in and, and whatnot?
1: Look, if all these goblins killed the entire, you know, all the characters before, why would another group actually work?
0: Yeah, exactly. And so uh, there's, there's two kinds of TPKs, really. Um, first, there is the balance kind. This is this is where, oh crap, I as the DM put them in a horribly unbalanced situation. This is completely my fault that everyone is dying. I did not mean it for the for this to happen. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of one one scenario. And then the second scenario is I as the DM have been warning my players. I have been dropping hints that this is going to be extremely tough. I have been dropping hints that you should probably uh, avoid this or probably uh, do a lot of research or do a lot of, of scouting or information gathering. The party has not taken any of these hints. The party is ignoring what I'm doing. They get into a battle, they die. It's their fault.
1: There, there is actually a third possibility the third possibility is I'm a DM who is butthurt about something that happened and I'm going to lash out at my players and I don't want to play anymore. So it's easier for me to kill everybody
0: than to actually discuss my feelings. We don't recommend that one. That's ever. a that's the really bad one. That's yeah. the one you never want to want to be in. the The first one is sucky, but sometimes unavoidable. Just, mm-hmm. just, through experience it's it, I mean balancing encounters is, is an experience thing the it is second really one hard to do. <laughs> it, it is it is like both both of us still struggle sometimes with with encounter balance we've been doing oh, yeah. this for years uh, the second one is i mean there's not much you can do like there's you can do your best to warn players, but if players want to jump into situations that they've been warned against or all the signs are pointing to no, or uh, they don't, uh, they're, they're not the kind of party that retreats, then yeah. sometimes that, that has to be what it has to be. Right. Well, and, and this is something where, you know, many times
1: previously we've talked about encounter building or adjusting on the fly. And this is taking all that into consideration, but also at the same time, you kind of have to take into consideration of the choice that they do make if you know they they've heard about this uh let's say this group of dragons that's running a town and they just want to go in and fight them all at once that's not a good idea for like level fives nope. but you know you, you can only fudge it so much so that you know you can at least make it kind of it, not exactly, you know, it's, they're going to win, but, you know, give them a, a good last hurrah knowing that there's no way they can take down 10 dragons at once.
0: It's a lot of dragons.
1: Yeah. I don't know. It's just the number I, I came up with. I was going to go with five, one for each, but I'm like, ah, let's just double it. They could definitely a very
0: bad decision. <laughs> yeah. Oh, horribly. Uh, so I guess uh, now that we kind of laid that out, the the question is Ryan and Ben, what do we do? I've I've killed my <laughs> it's the I've killed my party. What do I do? Well, there's there's definitely a few things you can do. First off, um, see what point you are in the campaign. Uh, sometimes, towards the middle and late parts of camp of the campaign, TPKing will actually be a real threat, and it mm-hmm. might be a real possibility. And it's in some ways sometimes stories will naturally end because of that just depending on where you are especially toward the middle and end part you may have gotten to here's the big bad the party could simply not overcome it and they go with their last hurrah or they are able to disable or cripple him but most of them die in the process uh you can usually figure out how to give some sort of a a fitting end, but once you hit that mid high tier, the stakes are very real. The stakes are high and those huge type of battles die. The the whole party or most of the party dying can be a very, very strong possibility.
1: Mm -hmm. Very much so. Um, So other than just kind of where, where you are, Something else that I think that is a, a very good idea to do is to really kind of talk to your players because the idea of continuing on in some form, which we're going to get to, might not jive well with, with some of your players. They might think, oh yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm very much into this character. I don't think their story is over. Let's see what we can kind of figure out and work with to move forward versus someone who you know maybe wasn't as happy with their, uh, their Oathbreaker Paladin that they thought. Maybe they think death is more of a fitting thing for them. There's always a possibility that maybe they went out in glory and that's a perfect end to what they were trying to accomplish in their story. So that player may want to create someone new. And if you have a mixture, I think it makes it a lot more pliable and a lot easier to kind of, you know, uh, salvage something from this to be able to move forward and continue the story if that's what your players decide that they really want to do if that's what you want to do as well
0: yeah and it's and as the dm for your players you usually will have a decent sense of are my players enjoying this story are my players enjoying their characters Uh, and you can kind of base a lot of stuff off off of that Um, so, so there's, there's interesting ways to kind of circumvent the everyone dies type scenario. Mm -hmm. And, and so, uh, a lot of it can be tied into, into your story, especially if you have, uh, clerics or a lot of religious people, Mm -hmm. potentially everyone dies and there's a divine intervention of some sort where they all wake up in this you know, heavenly, heavenly location. And uh, the the God says something like, uh, you've reached your final resting point. Uh, welcome, welcome in. And the party goes, no, no, we have work still to do. And so maybe then he cuts them a deal. Maybe he says, I will send you back, but you are to be my, Champions or my my avatars or or whatever, and so then they go back to try and finish what they were doing, but now they 're on borrowed time, mm-hmm. so you can have this that that interesting element in there on the flip side of things, you could have a deal with the devil if especially if you 've uh, introduced any like infernal contracts or anything like that during a, a party 's time they could all be dead and wake up and you see that little imp that you signed that deal with. And he's just <laughs> like, tell you what, I will, uh, I will get you back if you do X, Y, Z sign here on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because
1: this is where you get to start kind of playing with your, your, after death type of scenario or uh plane of existence or whatever, you know, however you want to do it. And the best part about that is, is that you can go with something that's, you know, already created. Like we've talked about uh, some of the different planes before, or you can go something as simple as you're just in some sort of waiting room. You have no idea where you are. You know, you could actually be in some sort of celestial place, some sort of demonic place, who knows, but, something comes and talks to the group and you can take that aspect, even if you haven't decided fully what it's going to be yet and stretch it out and add it to the entire story and, and plotline. It gives you a lot more to kind of play with going forward.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. And that, that could be a really fun way to introduce that side of stuff and that could become, you know, it's whole, it's whole big thing. I mean, you, you take that to the next level uh, maybe the afterlife becomes an entire arc mm-hmm. of the campaign. Uh, your party wakes up in the underworld. They wake up on uh, one of the, one of the levels of, of hell. They wake up in some divine plane. And now you've got a whole arc of figuring out what's going on. How did we quote unquote survive or how, why are we here in like Avernus or something like that? And then you've got an entire arc now of these characters trying to figure out what happened, what's going on, potentially fight their way out and learn stuff along the way. Yeah.
1: and I mean, heck, you could just have your own version of the good place and see what happens.
0: You know, do, do it. <laughs> that would
1: be awesome. Yeah. Each season just have it be a different arc in the campaign. <laughs> Oh, that'd be amazing it, it, it just you know these are just some of the the, the very small ideas of what happens if, if uh, character death is a thing that actually does happen to the entire party so there is actually TPK but what if something kind of goes a little funky like my whole big thing is, is that we don't really speak about it very much uh, during you know uh, combat roles or you know during encounters but Technically, everything that you're fighting also has to make death saving throws once you've, you know, knocked it out or brought it to zero hit points. There's nothing ever stopping your characters from going in and stabilizing someone and, you know, taking them prisoner or bringing them, you know, after they do fully die, bring them around and bringing them back to life. So why can't that also happen with your characters as well?
0: Yeah, that's that's a it's a really good point. And I think that uh that is one of the key things you can do, especially at lower levels, uh, to salvage a campaign that everyone put all this work into. We're level one, we're level two, we're level three, you know, we're one, five, ten sessions in, everyone dies. Maybe everyone has died, but they all wake up, and they find out that They've been resuscitated. They were at the point of death, but not, they haven't died. They've all been captured. They wake Mm -hmm. up in a prison. They wake up in a goblin encampment. They wake up, you know, wherever tied up in a cage, you know, in, in the stockades, you you know, you can, you can play around with it all day and then it becomes a, oh crap, we need to, a prison break. We -hmm. need to figure out how to get out of here. We need to figure out what's up. We need to see if we can get out and then get revenge or run away <laughs> as fast as we can or find where they took all our gear. Where is it? Uh, that type of thing. So that's, that is a, a very good alternative to not, especially if the, the, your party seems to be having fun, to not quote unquote waste exactly. uh, all the work.
1: And it it works well for any level of play, whether like you're saying kind of more beginning, middle or, or late play because, you know, goblins, maybe they like fresh meat. So they want to keep you alive long enough before they can start eating you or something. Um, maybe they're sacrificing you to some, to, you know, some sort of God or monster or something along those lines. Um, if you're going more into like a big bad evil guy territory, they want to pump you for information or, know maybe somehow turn you to their side or corrupt you in some way you know there's a lot of different ways that you can just take a tpk flip it on its head and just you know play more with it you know add more story and continue on and again this is one of those things where if a character again also doesn't like what they were playing like Sometimes, you know, you're level one, two, or three before you really realize, oh, man, I really wish I didn't choose Warlock. All I'm doing is Eldritch Blast. And this gives you that chance to, you know, okay, well, this character died, but when they're taken to the the prison or the stockades or whatever, they meet someone new. And then they go on the jailbreak with them. And then, you know, you start building that bond in, in and exactly. bringing it into the party. It gives you more opportunities to get more information about like the big bad evil guy or the, the overarching story, because, you know, if you're in a dungeon and you're escaping, you got to make your way back through their stronghold. So what stops you from stealing plans or seeing a map of the region with X's over certain cities or whatever it, you know, always look at everything that happens as an opportunity. There are no mistakes in D uh, and D there are no bad situations. There's just always opportunities to, twist it and change it and move forward
0: yeah no i, I totally agree and to, to even ex- expound upon that further uh especially once you get into those middle and high tiers or, or sections of play you can actually have your your captors or your big bad evil guys you can actually have them legit resurrect your characters
1: mm-hmm.
0: exactly Just like oh crap they're bringing my character back What's going to happen? Is that going to have lasting effects? Could now the whole party have this new thing that they're, they they share because of this, this shared resurrection where you brought back as an undead creature, uh, exactly the same as you were, but now you're undead. And now you've got to figure out this, these extra things because of, of what's happened or figure out how you can fix this. Like there's, there's so much, so much potential story in there other than just campaigns over.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Uh, And one of my favorite things I'm totally stealing from a certain video game, but look, you fall in battle. Let's say that you're kind of carted away and put somewhere in some form of stasis. You wake up a hundred years later, the world's changed. The big, bad, evil guy won. Now it's time to reclaim it and take it back. You're a hero of legend, waking up again, bringing uh,
0: justice and peace to the land. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of a cool, cool idea. Because it'd be like kind of the same world, but different. Yeah. And so you'd you know some things, but you'd have to rediscover a lot of, a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And especially seeing things that have changed, like, Oh yeah.
1: uh, Imagine going to, let's say you have a stronghold going there and it's completely like destroyed and desecrated, but you find, you know, like a, a small memento or a hint of, you know, where to go next or, you know, it just, again, flips the script on everything that's going on and it made the, your quote unquote party death mean something because the world did continue without you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 really cool. It it really shows uh, a living world, which is is always kind of the goal. If you can if you can kind of go about that, uh, and just uh, to even beyond that, um, you can actually have the characters die, if people want to kind of continue the campaign or play in that same world, but do want different characters, you can do cool stuff like the party dies. And the next set of characters y'all make are related Mm -hmm. or related to the people that died. And now your party shares this common bond of my grandfather was, was slain by this. Really? My mother was slain by this. Oh, my brother was slain by this. And that gives all of a sudden this brand new party cohesion and purpose and you get to continue playing in this world that you all are enjoying but with a new new set of clothes essentially
1: yeah in going back to it one of or something i saw online forever ago was you know a a young kid was playing dungeons and dragons and their character died and then so they kind of sat there for a second and then just wrote junior on their character sheet and said that their purpose was to go and avenge their fallen parents <laughs> And they just jumped right back in the same exact character and everything. They just, you know,
0: got over it and, uh, and moved forward. Yeah. There's, there's all sorts of stuff you can do and n- nothing is off the table. So don't, don't ever think of a TPK as the end. It might be, it might be. And it might be that the, the party is like, yeah, this is, this is a fitting end or the DM is just like, this is, This is a fitting end uh, because of the circumstances that happened. Um, But it doesn't have to be.
1: Yeah. And worse comes to worse. You can always rewind time. You can always have a do over. (laughs) So your party is very insistent on confronting the 10 dragons that rule over the small town. They go in, they die almost
0: instantly. Let's have a do over on that. Yeah. Cutscene. This, well, was, is probably that scenario is probably what would have happened if you guys had walked in. (laughs) Exactly. Or someone wakes up,
1: oh man, I had this prophetic dream of something that happened. It's really bad.
0: Yeah. There's, you know, then there's sometimes some situations that call for that. And, you know, it's, it's not a bad thing. It really isn't. Uh, Especially because at the end of the day, you're doing this to have fun. And if a TPK is causing everyone to not have fun anymore, then I will by far uh, prioritize fun Yeah, for the players.
1: Yeah, I think a, a really good example of player decision that that ended up in pretty much a tpk was um i don't know how how far you've gotten on there will be dungeons but there was this spoiler alert
0: for anyone who's gonna
1: it's it's like months ago that this happened but spoiler alert um they got to this point where a a very big you know dramatic fight happened and they had to sacrifice someone to basically save the world and all of them stepped in this thing thinking that if there's more of us we can take it and no one has to be sacrificed well it's not exactly how it happened but it totally flipped the script on everything that was going on in the campaign and Bo did an amazing job just kind of continuing forward with the characters that they had and you know taking an extremely unexpected thing that was going to happen and flip it into awesome storytelling. So there's a really good example of it. I don't remember the exact episode numbers. It's somewhere between like maybe 80 and hundred somewhere in there, but it's, it's a really good um, example of taking a potential TPK and turning it into so much more storytelling.
0: Yep. That's, and that's, that's the thing. If you, if you're feeling up to that as a DM, not all DMs are, um, it's, it's a lot to learn. It's, it's a lot to improv when, when things like that happen. Don't beat yourself up. In fact, uh, we've, we've said it before. Sometimes things will happen. And as a DM, you need to say, okay, we're going to call the session for now. And then potentially talk to your players about it afterwards or take the time between that moment and the next session to think and plan and come up with something that's not just, oh crap, I need to make this massive campaign change decision by the seat of my pants. Mm-hmm. I, and, and just throwing something out there and having it be potentially completely completely wrong or completely uh detrimental to the party if unless some people can do that. Some people are incredibly good improvers and could take a situation like that and just do it. But don't feel bad if you need to go, okay, we're gonna call the session for now. And yeah. we're gonna <laughs> pick your this players, pack up next time.
1: If your players don't understand why you might need to call the session, then you can tell them like this is one of those times where you're just like yeah i really need to think about what's going on
0: yeah like <laughs> this is a big deal guys we need to i i don't want to just do this off the cuff
1: yeah i mean if they continue just kind of looking just be like yeah, dead i gotta figure it out <laughs> <laughs> you yeah dead
0: uh but yeah no there's 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 lots of different ways you, you can deal with it uh, the end doesn't always have to be the end, but sometimes it is. Sometimes the end is just a new beginning. Yep. And there's always there's always the next campaign, there's mm-hmm. always the next character, and sometimes that's just the way it goes, and that can be really fun too. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, that was our little TPK discussion. Now we get to jump into some more fun and we're going to talk about dragons, but specifically we're going to talk about green dragons. Yes.
1: Oh man. Green dragons are really cool. They,
0: they are. They're one of my favorites. Oh actually, really? To play. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The green, green dragons, they're not, they're not the most powerful of the chromatic dragons. That's uh, that award lies in the, the, the Red Dragon arena, mm-hmm. but they are very cunning. They're very intelligent. They're very manipulative. Um, and so it's, it's a very, very fun character to play as a DM. And in a lot of ways, it is very fun to, to play against or opposite it as a player. Because the DM can then use their full range of intelligence when actually playing this creature versus something that might not have the skill, the intellect, the the charisma <laughs> of of this green dragon.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I mean, just to put it bluntly, it's the scar to the red dragon's Mufasa. Yep. Yeah. Now, one of the great things about uh, green dragons is that they are, uh, you know, very intelligent, very manipulative, very deceptive, like you said, and they're always scheming, just always. One of the neat things about them is that while they live generally in forests, um, you know, not, not like jungles for the most part, but more foresty areas, they still try to kind of insert themselves into the politics of nearby towns and meddle, and really work and just test out their ability to manipulate. Because of this, one of the things that they do is they tend to manipulate and take, um, uh, well, slaves, you know, worshippers, people who are just enthralled or under deals. And it's all based on the green dragon being able to, you know, scheme and manipulate and turn the situation around on them so that they do have that control.
0: Yeah, and one of the uh, really cool things about them, uh, just kind of in keeping with the the whole forest background, is uh, their layer stuff. As, as you may or may not know, all dragons have this kind of magical aura that they emanate that kind of changes whatever location they are in whatever location their layer is in and so with green dragons they actually manipulate the plant life and the growth around them so in a green dragon area of a area of of effect you're going to see larger grown plants you're going to see more deadly poisonous plants potentially uh like, I don't know, big old Venus fly traps <laughs> that <laughs> try to eat you up, or these yeah. these flowers that that shoot these little poison darts at you, or something like that. Yeah, thorns everywhere. Just, it, you know, think of the the scariest
1: fantasy plants, or or anything from like a poison ivy comic, anything like that. These are the types of plants that grow around a green dragon's lair, about like a within about a mile out of it or so. And it's just, you know, verdant growth just filling in every nook and cranny, just all over the place, just green and plants, and
0: definitely not inviting to look at. No, and and the, the one of the best things about green dragon layers is you can't even trust the wildlife mm-hmm. near near green dragon layers. And this is this is a fun thing from from a DM perspective that you can play around with green dragons will tend to change and manipulate the wildlife in the area and they will become their eyes and ears. Mm -hmm. So if you will go into a green dragon's area and a squirrel is watching you or a rabbit's watching you or a bird's watching you, chances are that is the eyes and ears of the dragon and the dragon knows exactly where you are, exactly where you're coming, exactly how many of you there are.
1: Exactly. One thing that you won't find, though, is kind of larger prey, like deer, elk, moose, whatever, because, you know, the dragon's got to eat. It's going to. But all those little critters, you know, birds, squirrels, rabbits, like you said, they're always watching. The dragon knows everything that's going on. And I love that so much. It, It really goes to show that like a green dragon while it's solitary because it, you know, it, it knows how schemy its it is. It doesn't really trust definitely other green dragons, much less people, much less anything. They're able to really have an eye out on what's going on. And it's not even in a paranoid way. It's more of a, you know, understand intelligent, know what's going on and use that for their advantage.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I guess the the kind of question is then how how do you as a DM play play a green dragon? Um I kind of mentioned it a little bit. Again, very intelligent, very manipulative. Uh green dragons are great to have more of a high-level thing. Uh they can manipulate a town you're in or potentially have a lot of influence in it. Um one of the things that I like to do, and this is this is not specifically rules as written. Um, all the metallic dragons, so your gold, silver, bronze, copper. Um, what am I missing? Gold, silver, silver bronze, 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 copper, copper.
1: Uh, something. Anyways, keep going. Brass. Brass. There Brass. you go. There. I was just like, <laughs> wait a second,
0: brain, brain fart. Um, all of them, uh, adult and up, have something called shape change, which allows them to take the form of various other things. uh, Many times humanoids of some sort. Chromatic dragons do not have this ability innately uh, from a strict rules as written standpoint. Mm -hmm. However, as a DM, I like to give this ability to all dragons just young, young and up just as a, as a, as a straight thing, because I feel like it allows you to play them in a far more interesting way. Exactly. And it's a lot more fun to be,
1: to just, you know, have dragons around as opposed to, Oh, look, there's this big giant thing flying in the sky. I guess there's a dragon, you know, it, it gives them the ability to kind of, you know, infiltrate or at least be around in ways that it's not constantly. Oh, that's right. You're a dragon. Oh, Okay. Uh, greens
0: especially Mm -hmm. because they you you can really play up the whole uh manipulative political scheming aspect of them if they can do it in secret versus i don't know as a proxy or as a land in the town hey you're all mine now (laughs) (laughs) exactly like okay mr dragon please don't kill us uh yeah, there's, there's a lot more you can do with that. And I think that, that makes things far more, far more interesting. So definitely give that a consideration. I know uh, a lot of people do it. And so it's, I, think, I think it makes things a lot of, uh, a lot more fun. Yes. Uh, one of the other big things I like to do that's, uh, and there's, there's variant rules for this from a st- strictly um, rules as written perspective, uh, but dragon spellcasting. Yes. So almost all dragons have a pretty similar set of abilities uh, with the metallic ones having a little bit more uh, flavor. The chromatics, you basically basically like build a dragon, kind of like Build-A-Bear, but much scarier. Uh, <laughs> is, it's basically you've got, you've got your frightening presence, You've got your uh, claw and bite and tail attack and your wing attack, your legendary actions, blah, blah, blah. That's, that's all pretty much similar throughout all of them with the chromatic dragons. You have their breath attack, which of course uh, you know, fire or, or ice or electricity or, you know, whatever. Um, they got their breath attack. And then from a metallic standpoint, they usually have a secondary breath attack. That's some sort of like utility type Mm -hmm. of ability versus like a raw damage it's cool but especially in a in a big fight or especially for something like a green dragon that might not be necessarily fighting head-on or might be using other tactics having spells that work with that type of dragon are gonna make fights much more interesting and mix things up a lot more than your party just expecting. All right, dragon's gonna fly around, we're gonna have to shoot it and hit it, try to get it to come to the ground and dodge his breath weapon or whatever, and you know, rinse repeat. It's just like, oh no, this dragon just cast earthquake. <laughs> or or this dragon just casts wall of fire. Crap! I was not expecting this, and so it's a it's a great way, yeah, to mix mix up uh, mix things up. I know. Um, again, spoilers for Campaign One of Critical Role. If if you haven't seen that yet, just uh, hold your ears um, <laughs> for the next few minutes. One of um, the big arcs and the first season of or first campaign of critical role was this uh chroma conclave arc mm-hmm. and that's where matt had basically brought in these five ancient dragons one of each different color and they could do different things and one of them was named Raishan, and Rashan was yes. the green dragon uh and uh in his world as well all of these dragons had the shape change ability mm-hmm. and Raishan would uh, very often appear as a humanoid instead of instead of in the the dragon form, but uh, he had Raishan be the spellcaster, and so there was all sorts of super cool things that Raishan could do uh, that mixed up the the general dragon vibe, and I, I absolutely loved it. I don't want to get into it too much, just in case you haven't seen it that that arc is by far one of my favorite arcs it uh it might the, be my also. favorite yeah yeah it's so it's good fantastic yeah that's all i'm gonna say it's just you yeah. know <laughs> go back and watch that arc it's so, yeah. it's, it's so good it's so good and so so yeah i i think that's a a great um a great way to show off how cool a dragon can be beyond just here's a dragon encounter
1: Mm -hmm. exactly and you know anytime that you can you know take expectations and kind of add more to it and and give some surprises it makes the game more exciting you know uh, every time uh, you have a dragon encounter in world of warcraft it's okay don't stand at the head don't stand at the tail Attack from the side and you know it just becomes rote same with dungeons and dragons if now, granted, you have a lot more control over what happens and order of things uh, in D and D, of course. But once you start mixing it up and adding in some spell casting, adding in you know variety to these things that's you know veteran players may not have seen before, it's going to make it more interesting. It's going to make it definitely more challenging, but also throw some surprises in there and then make them think and. Try to figure out different ways of countering these new abilities that they're not used to.
0: And remember, as most dragons, these creatures are highly intelligent. Mm-hmm, definitely. And these creatures are not, most of the time, going to fight to the death. No. These creatures are all about self-preservation, unless you've got them backed into a corner in their lair and they have nowhere to go, and they will have to just, you know, the, the cornered, cornered wolf or whatever, and they just lash out. Mm-hmm. But unless you can get them into a situation like that, dragons are smart, very intelligent creatures. They're not going to just fight to the death. Like and they can fly. Some some and they can fly. Flying mm-hmm.
1: away is a
0: very simple thing. Yep. So as, as a party, don't expect to necessarily kill a dragon the first time you encounter it. Mm-hmm. The, the one, the dragon may be too powerful and may kill you. See, first section on TPKing. Or <laughs> or uh, the, the dragon will retreat at some point and try and get away. And so as a DM, make sure you kind of keep that in mind with these intelligent creatures. They're not going to go, oh man, I better finish off the party at the expense <laughs> of my life no mm-hmm. that they're probably not going to do that unless it's an absolute last resort they're gonna do all they can to stay alive
1: yeah and especially with uh, red dragons and how well they they you know kind of situate themselves and where they live and what their lairs are they'll probably also know if the party members know where they live you know they'll be able to kind of scheme and figure it out, or who knows, maybe they've spent time with the party. And if they leave, they know they're going to be safe. They'll be fine. Besides, if the party members try to come and and get to their their actual lair, well, they got to fight through a whole bunch of horrendous plant life. The dragon's going to know it they're there because of all the 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 critters who are like watching and listening. So you kind of have a, a you know. A safe place to go, even if they're being hunted, you can just leave from there.
0: Yeah, and come and, back full strength. Yeah, and from a from a player perspective, that's that's a really strong idea. Like in character, of course, do your research, do your scouting. Whenever your characters are up against dragons, you don't want to just go in, knowing nothing. Mm-hmm. Chances are your DM will have a lot of stuff in the background, a lot of stuff prepared, uh, potentially minions. Many times, most dragons do have minions. A lot mm-hmm. of times you're not going to fight the dragon by itself. It's going to have followers. It's going to have uh, things that's enslaved to, to protect it or whatever. So uh, as as players, as characters, do your, do your research, do your scouting. Don't try and run into things just... Without any sort of, any sort of preparation. Exactly. Yeah. Green dragons, y'all. Green dragons. Yeah. Green dragons are pretty cool. I, uh, I can tell you a little bit about one of mine when we, when we get down to our, our Ooh, campaign.
1: I'm looking forward our, to hearing about it.
0: Yeah. Our, uh, our campaign discussion. But before we get there, we do have a few other things that we wanted to cover first. And first of them is an email question. Yes. So ben, you want to, you want to talk about that
1: a little bit? Uh, definitely. Uh, I'm going to, it's a little bit long, so I'm going to take a quick drink. Don't mind me. Okay. So this came in quite a while ago, uh, back in September. Um, I did actually answer it's over email uh, with my thoughts on the question, but I thought it, it's something to kind of take a look at and discuss because even though you know i gave an answer i would like to hear what you have to say and also uh, i think it's actually a very good question so uh, this comes from roger in new zealand he says uh, hey guys i play D on monday night so we're a party of six and at the moment we're sneaking around on a flying dragon castle which sounds epic by the way uh, that that's me saying it sounds let's, epic, just stop, epic. let's just stop let's just stop there and,
0: and say and and talk about flying dragon castle Those are are great words that go together. Exactly. Okay, Um, continue.
1: (laughs) Our fighter opened some double doors, gave the wrong answer, and got everyone fireballed. Well, except me, because I'm a rogue and evasion, which is great for rogues. The night ended there with us getting bad initiative rolls, a real cliffhanger ending. My question is about the cleric spell Guardian of Faith. The room is filled with three spellcasters, and the battle worn party is now mostly in the red. If we were to put Guardian of Faith in the doorway that's large and designed around a giant size, A, would it block missiles and spells? B, if the mages stay at range blasting this Guardian, how long would it survive? I can't find any info on HPs. And C, it's not necessarily spelled designed for combat, and therefore can it be used in combat? Any help and guidance would be much appreciated. So... I went through and I answered just kind of my thoughts and and everything on each of those questions. So um, first off, would it block missiles and spells? So one of the big things that uh, you kind of have to really learn as a DM is really figuring out the intent of the spell and how it's written and kind of interpreting it and then being consistent across all the different spells. So for this, uh, the spell description says that the Guardian is indistinct except for a sword and shield. Since it's not technically a creature, personally, I would treat that as an empty space in this instance. Uh, how about you, Ryan?
0: Yeah, so I, I brought it up to, to look it through. And it's, it's definitely a combat spell because it, it's got an action. It's, mm-hmm. only, it's only an action to cast it. It lasts for eight hours, though, which yeah. is super interesting. So, like, you can... I, it's definitely a... I would call it an area of denial type yeah. of spell. Yeah. So um, it,
1: it definitely wouldn't block the spells in, or the missiles and spells. Yeah. To I, start it, with. it
0: does say indistinct. So I would say you could potentially convince me to allow it to block some line of sight. Yeah. But I don't think it, I would allow it to block anything
1: physical. Okay, so then for the next bit, um, if the mages stay at range, blasting this guardian, how long would it survive? They can't find any info on, on hit points, and this is where um, you really have to look at the spell. So, in my opinion, using the guardian as like kind of an extra target is actually really clever, and it's something as a DM I would totally get behind. Um, I might make my mage or the the enemy mage's roll to kind of try to determine if they think it's a target or not, but it, it's something that I would actually you know, really have them consider. Now, the, spell, the way that the spell works is that, as you said, Ryan, the, the guardian itself is an area of denial. So the only way that it really ends is if the duration ends or if a creature gets within, I think it's uh, five or 10 feet of it, it deals damage and it has a total amount of 60 damage
0: to give before it disappears. Yeah, so it looks like uh you get a deck save and if you fail you take half damage. And if you or if you fail yeah, if you fail you take half damage and um no, I'm sorry, I'm getting this all wrong. <laughs> if you fail you take full damage, if you succeed you take half damage. You know, the thing that almost all spells Yeah say, unless I don't it's know a why I was being confused. <laughs> Um so it deals 20 damage just baseline. And if you do manage to save, it only deals 10. So you've got mm-hmm. between like three and six attacks. Yeah. From this thing. And so that's, that's actually pretty good. Um, and I, I would agree with you. It's, if it's, it's a big thing. And so if, it, especially if it's not a very intelligent creature, uh, I would definitely make them roll to check to see if it was another target, but they would, probably find out pretty quickly that whatever they did didn't have any effect on it and so it's not necessarily an hp thing i would probably just base it on creature intelligence
1: yeah exactly and for the last point they say that it's not necessarily a spell designed for combat can be used in combat and since the casting time is one action it's totally able to be used in combat and using it as an area of denial totally makes sense, totally works. And that's perfect for combat in my opinion. Um, but even more so it's a creative use of a spell that's you're basically buying time for yourselves to really try to get out of there. And I'm all for that. I always think that any sort of creativity should be rewarded. And, you know, I, I do my best to work with it in the confines of kind of the rules of my world. So I would totally go for that. Um, in fact in my game right now basically if they're not in an inn what my players do is generally we've got a bard who sets up the tiny hut and then our cleric pops out a guardian of faith and it's not specifically like a you know like a guard dog that wanders around but it's something that is there to just cause damage or deny entry to you know, getting close to where they are and it's just part of what they do at night. And it's helped a couple times. So it's a good spell to have and it's a creative use for uh, what the party's planning on doing in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a really cool spell.
1: Yeah. So Roger, thanks for uh, writing in. Thanks for writing in. Really appreciate that. And any, everybody else, if you have any questions or, you know, want to get our takes on uh, situations or, um, you know potential like you know understandings of a spell or anything like that go ahead and email us that's dndiscussions at gmail.com cool uh
0: so moving on from that we actually have a lot of community stuff oh my so much talk about this week yeah uh I won't take too long on on any of it but uh one of the biggest ones is uh Critical Role uh or the the team behind Critical Role is launching a game publishing studio uh I don't know what do you call it is it uh, game game publishing <laughs> a tabletop game publishing-, publishing company There you go. There you go. Uh, It's called Darrington Press, and it's going to be headed up by Ivan Van Norman, who I have actually recognized off the bat uh, from Geek & Sundry. Mm -hmm. seen some of the the Geek & Sundry shows. They've got uh, a really very cool team. Matt's going to be uh, consulting, and they've got four games planned for next year, Uh, their first being uh, Ukatoa. Ukatoa coming out in <laughs> <laughs> Q1 of 2021, and uh, it, these are all or most of these are very themed games based on the world of Exandria, the world of Critical Role. Uh, the ukatoa one is is kind of a okay. card mini mini board game. They've got a Critical Role Adventures, which sounds to me a little bit like um, like a Gloomhaven mm-hmm. style game, which seems pretty cool. And then they've got uh, Syndicult, which is a modern magic role-playing game designed by Matthew Mercer. So that sounds kind of cool. That's coming in Q3. And then in Q4, they have Guardians of Matrimonia, which is a cooperative card game where players have pre-built decks that are pitted against a deck of monsters. So honestly, really cool. Like more board games and card games especially high quality ones 100 percent. i'm a huge board game card game person in addition to to tabletop stuff so yeah, this is they, this they, is exciting news congratulations to them
1: definitely does seem like it's going to be a lot of fun and uh there's a lot of variety in what they're publishing too which is something that i think uh really goes to show you know how into it they are and how much they're really looking to uh expand and, and broaden everything
0: yeah, no, I think I think it's a it's a big win, and it just in the environment we're in right now, uh, tabletop uh, RPGs, uh, card games, board games are are having a huge renaissance mm-hmm. right now. Like the people are really getting into them. The the player base is expanding rapidly, and so there's really not a better time that they could have jumped into this. So, super cool stuff. Uh, secondly, just as a quick note, uh, for those of you who use D and D beyond, they have added gifting. Yay! so that's pretty cool. So, uh, check your DMS Christmas (laughs) Christmas (laughs) list, maybe grab them a book that they don't have or something. Uh, but that's, it's a feature that has been much needed and much requested Mm -hmm. and it will be very, very nice. So exactly. Beyond. That's good stuff yep so that's books that's dice you know anything they have yeah except subscriptions right now hopefully except hopefully for they'll subscriptions add, hopefully i, I they'll didn't get that far soon. yeah hopefully they'll add that soon because that does seem seem handy as well but yeah pretty much everything else so that's mm-hmm. cool um next uh we have a new unearthed arcana that has been released unearthed iconic yeah. 2020 subclasses part five these speaking are, of dragons i know that is, is so, <laughs> so uh, perfect to to work in with this episode uh two subclasses based off of dragons we have a ranger one that has a drake companion which is pretty cool and then we have a monk which is way of the ascendant dragon that ha- gets um, different draconic-like things that mix in with the key. And both are, both are really interesting. Both sound really pretty fun. And if that's the type of campaign you're running or if you have some strong dragon relations or strong dragon themes in your campaign, both of these seem like they'd be pretty cool to add.
1: Yeah. Like just kind of, um, looking through and (laughs) the idea of having a Drake companion for a Ranger is pretty freaking neat. And heck, if you really wanted to take it that way, I, I haven't had a chance to read through everything, but you know, maybe if they get up to level 20, the Drake's old enough to fly on. You never know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think at one point, uh, at one level, they, they reached the large size oh yeah and level 15 the ability yeah and they get the ability to potentially have wings at yeah. 1.2 so mm, yeah
1: <laughs> it's been pretty cool i think i might want to change what i'm doing in our plus five to hit campaign oh no i wouldn't do that i'm not for that, that. <laughs> besides we, we're very excited yeah Oh man. Yeah, no, these these are really cool. So uh, we'll have a link to this and everything else as well as the next item.
0: Yeah. And finally, uh, this is, this is a long, long section this week. Uh, Justice Armin, who we interviewed a few episodes back, uh, talked about uh, we talked with him a little bit about DM's Guild stuff. Uh, And he had mentioned that he was, going to work on some sort of guide. Well, that guide is out. He has actually published a very lengthy and in-depth guide to how to publish something on the DMs Guild, from everything from ideas to editing, to layout, to um, art, and everything in between, how to get it uploaded, uh, how to market it, uh, pricing structure, all that stuff. Super, super cool. So if you are interested, in creating dnd content and you're interested in getting it up on the dms guild this is a pretty awesome one-stop shop article in how to do that so we will have a link to that on dndiscussions.com for this episode as well yes
1: i'll make sure to have links to everything everything <laughs>
0: I didn't, every, time, every time someone says that, I just think of that, that gif of, of Annie from Community. Just, <laughs> Everything! Yes. Uh, <laughs> wow, classic show. Classic Community. Uh, so that's, that does it for our uh, LinkedIn community content section. But before we go, we usually like to talk a little bit about what we're doing in our games. And Ben, we were yeah. gearing up for a big battle last yes, time we, we were how did that go
1: well it wasn't nearly as big as i was planning <laughs> uh, oh boy <laughs> so here's the thing i've said it i don't know how many times on this show but my players are extremely creative in problem solving and uh as something i do is i like to You know, I even said on this episode, I like to make sure to reward it or think it through and, you know, let the creativity just flow because I think it opens up one, a lot of kind of improv scenarios for me and really keeps me on my toes for ways to kind of, you know, pivot and, and, and juke and jive and, and keep the story going and, you know, hopefully make it fun and entertaining. and. Dummy me uh, also likes to give out really fun toys and give them access to to certain things. So uh, sometimes that makes my job even more harder or, you know, much harder to do. So they were going in, they Uh were getting set up to uh, enter into this, um, this town hall in this, you know, ruined city, the the town halls underwater, the steeples just kind of sticking up out of the water. Some reason the entire building is like petrified, it's turned to stone. The glass, the wood, everything, just stone. So I'm like, okay, they found a tunnel. They you know swam down into the tunnel up underground, popped up, heard a noise. So we started off in there, they were not being stealthy at all, and they were warned to leave. So we're like, okay. So they left because you know, they they split the party and they very, very smartly thought, hey, let's not do this. So swam back out, popped up uh, out of the water, started talking with everybody. And they're trying to figure out what they, what they should do, what they could do, trying to figure out what was in there. And then my wonderful um, arcane trickster rogue used her familiar, changed it into a frog, sent it down to spy and figure out what was going on. Lo and behold, there's a beholder in that building that's using it as its home base. It's going through, it's reading a book, and the orb that they're hunting is sitting on a pedestal next to them. So information gets that gets uh, given. Probably about an hour of discussion goes by on what they should do. And then finally, they decided that um, the orb that they got from Wallowdale, the previous town, it, you know, it's, it's this, this godly artifact that uh, basically makes, spells more powerful so our artificer said look i'm just going to cast shatter through it blow through the wall we can go in there get the get the orb get out of here and if we're lucky maybe the the beholder will take some damage with it so finally after like i said the long discussion they decided okay this is what we're gonna do so, they, so they, knew- they did
0: this massive planning session. Yeah.
1: A massive planning session. I mean, it, it, it definitely paid off because I mean, they knew where the beholder was kind of, you know, the idea compared to where it was outside. So then he, he did a shatter spell it, you know, multiplied however many times blew through the wall, destroyed it, collapsed it onto the beholder, causing a whole ton of damage water starts pouring into this this building so then our paladin takes like a whirlpool water slide down and uh makes her save and lands on the second floor starts beating the beholder before it even goes because she got a really good initiative on it and then um I, a couple more people went, you know tried to get in our bard who is terrified of water and can 't swim, luckily, they all had water walking, just kind of stood up on the the steeple and just was waiting to see if anything would come out and was going to you know uh, i 'm assuming attack and help there. A couple spells get thrown at it. The beholder is able to fire off five different rays because you know it can see out and does stuff. Um, one of the rays hit out of all of them that I fired. So I fired a disintegration ray, uh, two petri- petrification rays, um, a sleep ray, and then the death ray. The death ray is the only one that hit. And it caused death. It was very close. And then also because rogue, half damage. So. <laughs> ah, <laughs> darn rogues. No, I I was happy about it because I'm like I don't want to kill everybody just with a death ray or a disintegration ray, but luckily no one died. Uh, and then the Artificer, his turn, casts scorching ray through the orb, so three rays at you know exponentially higher damage levels hit the beholder, basically like forceful i uh, think like a, a i, I kind of described it as like a, a super soaker shooting molten lava just sprays <laughs> through them three times <laughs> kills it <laughs> this was one round of combat i'm like i gave him an orb that that makes magic really really heavy and uh so yeah i mean totally my fault on them doing that but at the same time they used the tools that they had they were very creative about it and I'm happy that it played out that way because they were very smart. Still sucks that I didn't get to have a really awesome Beholder fight, but they did what they needed to do to defeat it in a clever way. And I was super happy about that.
0: I, I love that. I, I, I half figured you were just like, Ryan, my Beholder. <laughs> 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 I
1: only got to play with one round. Well, see, here's the thing. Um I assume they won't have those awesome orbs forever, uh, but even more so, there's more beholders in the world, so you know I'll get another chance at some point. Yeah,
0: maybe it's uh, <laughs> mother's brother's second cousin twice yeah. removed.
1: Well, I mean, beholders Secret come bench. in existence because a beholder dreams of a beholder, so that that's kind of how they how, did, they. how did the first beholder come in? Uh, it probably came from some other plane or something. I don't know. It's weird. Like a chicken and an egg situation. Exactly. And in fact, there was actually discussion about, well, is this Beholder from a different plane? And I'm like, well, you know, you don't know. Because sometimes they're created from another Beholder's dream. So is their birthplace actually the material plane where they were kind of created? Is it from the original one? Because uh, something that I've noticed is that And uh, my players don't listen to this section um, Something I've noticed is that They fall back on the banishment And like they, they go heavy into CC Like, you know, crowd control right away which, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, again It's a smart way to play it But there's ways around that So, huh Which, by the way, the banishment didn't work On the beholder, it rolled high enough The uh-huh. didn't work It rolled high enough um, and that, that's not me fudging numbers because I, I really don't do that for this campaign. So what rolls is what rolls. And yeah, worked out really well. Like I said, good. It, good it was a, I enjoyed it just because of the creativity of it. But again, I'm just like, oh man, I didn't even get a round in. But hey, I, I gave them the tools. They use them impeccably. And I am very excited about that. Good stuff. As long as everybody has fun, that's oh yeah definitely and like afterwards i think i even tweeted out i'm like great job everybody for killing my beholder before one full
0: round even like the cleric I, he didn't even go <laughs> like he didn't have a turn and the beholder's dead
1: so, yeah. well
0: that's all i had for tonight guys
1: uh good session <laughs> well i mean uh, the, the, the hour of them planning beforehand definitely worked out really well in that favorite you know, in <laughs> session. but uh well once the thing was dead the orb had uh thanks to the shatter it it fell onto the first floor so you know um the artificer also had alter self i have a changeling in the group so she changed or i'm sorry he changed into you know water breathing so they were able to go down and they looted all the treasure because they had all the time in the world because you know they could breathe underwater so it's like They got everything. I'm like, good job. Good job.
0: Well done. Ben's party.
1: Yeah. But uh, that's not the only game I played. And uh, I really wanted to go and give a huge shout out to Nevermore. Uh, She, on uh, last Sunday, on the 25th actually, ran a one shot for me and some of our friends. And Ryan, I got to tell you, it was amazing. So So what
0: about it specifically? Okay. Yeah.
1: So the, the way that that her mind creatively thinks is is just fantastic and I love watching it. She found these little figures that were dogs wearing like Halloween costumes. Like there it's you know some some sort of uh, uh and I'm going to get this wrong I don't know what store it is or whatever, but think of it's like some sort of like, like Hallmark store or whatever, where, you know, it's like a little thing of like, oh, it's a Halloween town. And look, there's the dogs with the costumes and, and they're adorable. So from that, she decided, or she came up with more of a a Halloween, or uh, specifically Howl-oween one shot. So six of us got to play as dogs dressed up in costumes and you know we went through and we created our characters and had you know our classes and we had a whole mystery we needed to solve and it was fun as heck i had an entirely way too much uh, of a good time being um i was um uh, Br- professor barkley Wolfington the 3rd and fantastic it it was fun it's one of the first times i played a wizard and like everybody definitely was the first t- time you played a wizard dog. Yeah, exactly. Definitely the first time i played a wizard dog. But everybody was really into like playing as a dog. We we were you know running around, uh definitely being our characters. Um someone said, Yeah, well, what is that? A squirrel and oh all of a squirrel, squirrel, and started looking around for squirrels awesome. and you know, we interacted with cats, we had this great adventure, and uh I do have the the stream actually, I saved it on YouTube. So if you, if you want to find that, check out, um, do a search for Ben Bumhofer on YouTube. I don't have, I'm not cool enough to have my own link yet, but whatever, but definitely check it out. We had a ton of fun doing it. And uh, I highly recommend a a watch if you got some time.
0: Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. But, Fun to do unique stuff like that.
1: Oh, much, much more so. Uh, in fact, we, we had so much fun that she said, "Maybe I should do a, hol- a Christmas one. I'm like,
0: yes, I am in. And that's tell only her that we'd already had a, a Christmas uh, one that we
1: had <laughs> up on the spot all ready to go? Oh, no, I didn't because he, here's the thing. She's so creative with stuff. She'll come up with something mind-blowingly cool and different and much better than what we had. No offense to us. No offense
0: to us. None taken to us yeah
1: but um (laughs) anyway so that that's kind of uh what i've been up to and uh hold on i'm having a note handed to me in a second here uh i'm i'm assuming it's some sort of this justin yes uh she's writing fast i don't know what it says not yet hold on should we guess it is oh yeah (laughs) so um Something that she's super proud of is that, um, she found a catapults miniature. So we even did, uh, in for our Halloween fight, we did the pumpkin chuckin' and, uh, rolled some percentage dice and and shot pumpkins out. And then out of the pumpkins came dog toys that we had to attack. And I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's got some really great stuff. It sounds it. very unique. Very much so. But, uh, anyways, that's what I've been playing. Um, what about you? Like what's going on in your campaign? I, I, I have a feeling that uh, there might be a dragon involved.
0: Uh, there has been, there has been multiple dragons in, in my campaigns. Uh, work has been killer. Work has been uh, I absolute, absolute crazy. Uh, so I've, I, I haven't gotten back to, to my first campaign yet. This is, that's the, the level 11 one. Uh, they're in the middle of the crazy demon infested city that's going to happen on uh the 13th 13th of November. Oh,
1: okay.
0: It sucks it sucks that we had to wait that long but you know sometimes yeah, sometimes it's got to happen. Life happens. Mm-hmm. Uh my second campaign which currently is much easier to plan and prepare for <laughs> than than the <laughs> massive uh level 11 one. Uh they had just finished fighting, fighting the land sharks, the, the boulettes boulettes. I think Boulets. we went through this last time. <laughs> yep. uh, and they made their way into the mine. Uh, they, they hunted around, they found some more bodies. They, they found a, a vein of gold that they, they didn't mess with, didn't mess with. They almost had some mysterious figure collapse a tunnel on them. So that was, that was kind of fun. And then they found this uh, kind of big holding repair like base camp area inside the mine. They found the, a dead foreman, and then my and my cleric used speak with dead. For oh, the first time, which is which is super fun for me. the The best part about it was I had described uh, two of two of the players went into the tent that that he was in when they found him, and I had described it. It's face down arrows in the back you know like big big arrows in the back yeah looks like that's what he killed so our goes i cast speak with dead and he he was and then he was like who killed you and i go (laughs) and it was it was so he forgot to flip the dude over (laughs) And and so we all just had a good laugh as they Flip the dude oh, over it did he waste the the question on that? oh 100% <laughs> 100% <laughs> oh i love you so much for that 100% so that was that was super funny and so they they were able to get a little information out of him and found out that as far as he knew before he died that the the two people that they're hunting for for their contract were not dead Mm -hmm. at the time and then the the very last question my cleric was just like is dying painful it's just like (laughs) yes yes it was uh so that was that was super funny super fun uh all their uh meddling though attracted a an umber hulk that came out and and started fighting them so that was super fun i i used it and then i used a bunch of these these little monsters called the wretched um which are basically like balls with feet and teeth and eyes i used them as kind of like parasites that were kind of living on this umber hulk they jumped off and started attacking so there's a lot of these little things oh wow pack tactics so they get advantage and if they they bite you they basically start like stick onto you, and so it was. It was really fun to kind of play around with that. But at, at the end, um, they're all hurt some, mm-hmm. uh, and a bunch of dwarves pop out, like several dozen, all with crossbows, and they're like, "You are trespassing. You're coming with us." It's like, oh crap! So they basically get brought down to this giant uh dwarven undercity essentially Mm -hmm. in this in this mountain and so they're about to stand trial and that's that's where we're that's where we left off and we're going to pick that up on saturday so that'll that'll be super interesting to see how how they handle this uh social encounter
1: that is really cool
0: no, I, i'm i'm pretty excited for this one yeah I, I honestly like especially with these i have no idea what's going to happen i have no idea what they're going to do how they're going to get out of it how things are going to react how roles are going to happen so we'll see it's it should be super fun
1: yeah no i really like this this is neat i am
0: really excited to hear what goes on yeah, yeah that'll, it'll neat. be a fun one it'll be a fun one uh, but until then, we have come to the end of our episode. So Ben, before we get out of here, why don't you tell everybody where we can be
1: Yes. uh, Well, as I said earlier, if you have any emails, uh, any questions, any comments, anything that uh, will definitely take much more than 240 characters, go ahead and send us an email. You can send that to dndiscussions at gmail.com. As you saw, sometimes it may take a little bit longer to get the message on the show if it's something uh, that we we think is a good thing to, to discuss on the show. Otherwise, you will hear from us. Okay, that sounded kind of creepy. I didn't mean that. But anyways, you know, we'll, we'll respond. You'll hear from us. <laughs> yes, there you go. That's, that's much happier. It's not, you'll hear from us. Uh, anyways, uh, our Twitter though, discussions, you can uh, definitely reach out to us there. It's probably going to be a much more timely response, but uh, definitely more short form. Um, if you're looking for TBK specifically, or Ryan, as I call him, uh, Ryan, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at TBKzord. Yep, and if you're looking for me on Twitter, I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Now, DN Discussions is on pretty much every place you can find a podcast, so if this is the first episode you've listened to, make sure you go back and take a listen to others. Uh, we talk about uh, much more than just dragons, even though we have had a few dra- uh, episodes talking about dragons. But uh, we have plenty of different uh, top uh, discussion topics, some great episodes with some guests, so go back, check those out. Um, and last but not least, if you're looking for us, like You know in some sort of gaming sense like if you want to hear how we play a game we are both actually characters or player characters in plus five to hits that's another podcast outside that's out there um episode 48 is a great place to jump in because it's a session zero for rhyme of the frost maiden we are actually starting that up and uh you know ryan i know we talked about it and said it many times but i am incredibly excited to uh, take a delve into uh icewind dale
0: yeah, very excited, and that the the first episode of that should be out in the next week or so. Yes, so be sure to look for that.
1: All right. Well, um, other than that, uh, all I have to say is, hey, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Ryan, it has been a pleasure as always. As always, and uh, until next time, when we you know figure out what dragon we'll talk about then, or you know <laughs> potentially something else.
0: <laughs> we have um, a whole list now yeah exactly oh my gosh we have a great list we got, we, of, yeah we got our list of topics. good stuff coming up
1: yeah so until next time everybody uh be good to each other take care